This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few minutes, you'll meet Pino Baccinello, president and founder of Pacific M&A and Business Brokers, who's here to talk about selling and buying a business here in B.C., in other provinces, and other countries, too. And we'll also take your calls. But first, here are some more of the week's top consumer stories. The Ford Motor Company recalled over a million Explorer SUVs due to safety concerns this week. Ford estimated around 1.2 million vehicles were affected in the states. About 30,000 of them were recalled here in Canada. The affected Explorer vehicles, were, which were manufactured in Chicago between 2010 and 2017, may experience a fractured rear suspension toe link under certain conditions, and such a fracture would significantly, significantly rather, diminish steering control and increase the risk of a crash. Now, Ford says it isn't aware of any injuries related to the issues which have prompted the Wednesday recalls. The company says it'll spend about $180 bucks to correct the issue and uh, those affected vehicle owners will be notified. And we'll stick with cars for this next one too. Tesla Inc. has, quote, a decent shot at a record quarter on every level, close quote, says Chief e- Executive Officer Elon Musk at the big shareholder meeting this week, easing concerns about weak demand for electric car maker sedans. Analysts have questioned whether there is global demand for the hundreds of thousands of Model 3 sedans and other vehicles Tesla aims to produce after deliveries fell 31% in the first quarter. Rivals are stepping up efforts, and Tesla continues to invest heavily in expansion. Tesla lost $702 million in this first quarter and has said profit would be delayed until the latter half of the year. Tesla is likely to settle on a location for a European factory by the end of this year and expects to start selling in India by next year. Tesla stock, stock rather, was up 3.5% after the big announcement in which Elon Musk also said the company is on track to hit its volume production goal by the end end of this year. A report this week adds to evidence that Canadians may be increasingly feeling the pressure of record high debt loads. Delinquency rates in Canada climbed to the highest in two years as consumers added to credit card debt and car loans took longer to pay off. According to Equifax Canada, delinquencies rose the most among those 65 years and over. Never a reassuring news. While British Columbia and Ontario saw the first significant increase in in arrears in half a decade. The credit card utilization rate, which is a measure of total balances relative to total available limits, rose to 24% of the first three months of this year. That's the highest first quarter level since 2011 and comparable to rates seen in 2007, Equifax said, and here's their bottom line. Balance growth on credit cards outstripped spending growth for the first time in several quarters. People are starting to hold a little bit more in the way of credit card balances. Utilization has been rising. It's not a red alert yet, but a warning sign. This is the folks at Equifax saying sometimes it indicates tighter cash flows. And we who live in Canada's most expensive city completely understand 
tighter cash flows. Our friends from BDO First Call Debt Solutions will be back with us in a couple of weeks, and this will definitely be a big part of their next visit. Now, the price for a share of Beyond Meat almost tripled on the first day of trading in May, and that was just a taste of what was to come. By the end of the day, Monday this week, that stock had gained an additional 30 cents, but by Tuesday, Wall Street got a case of heartburn after J.P. Morgan analysts sounded the alarm, saying the company's valuation had grown too big, too fast. By midday, the stock was, the stock rather, was down 22% in its biggest one-day sell-off. To put that loss into perspective, it means that shares of Beyond Meat are up 430% since that IPO came down a couple of months ago. It is that pace that brought a downgrade to neutral from Morgan. But J.P. Morgan still says that sales estimates for Beyond Meat are far too conservative and believes it will continue to win over more customers. It's being sold at 30,000 grocery stores, restaurants, and schools in the U.S., Canada, Italy, the U.K., and Israel. Still, Beyond Meat has never made an annual profit. It lost 30 million bucks last year. It's also facing increasing competition from other, quote, new meat companies like Impossible Foods. Traditional players like Tyson are also getting into the game. There might be room for all of them. U.S. sales of plant-based meats up 42% between March last year and March this year to a total of $888 million. Uh, meat sales were up 1%. Uh, the $888 million in Beyond Meat, impressive uh, meat sales, $85 billion in the same period. Those are a few more of the week's top consumer stories. We'll have even more for you later in the hour. But coming right up, we'll take a quick break here. And coming right up, we'll meet the president of Pacific M&A and business brokers. We're going to talk about selling and buying businesses. Not buying and selling. Selling and buying. And there is a difference. And we'll tell you all about it right after this. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. 23 degrees in the sunshine at Georgia and Granville in downtown Vancouver, where we are. I'm Sterling Fox, and it's a pleasure to welcome Pino Baccinello, president and founder of Pacific M&A and Business Brokers, to Vancouver Consumer. Pino, a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Sterling. It's, uh, it's, uh, we talked moments ago. I, I was setting up the fact that you're with us today, and we were going to talk about selling and buying businesses, but that's not the way I had written it, friend. And I, I, I read my intro to Pino before we went on the air because I wanted to make sure I had some kind of uh, accurate description of what we were going to talk about. And he said, well, yes, except we're going to talk about selling and buying, not buying and selling of businesses. And there's a difference. Let's talk about that to start things <laughs> off, Pino. Sure. Um, the difference is that, you know, there's lots of buyers, there's lots of people that have the desire uh, and wish to buy a business. Mm -hmm. um, not everybody can afford it. Not everybody has the uh, risk tolerance, the entrepreneurial spirit, and whatever else is needed. Um, but I tell you what: uh, what this, the issue is, it is very much a seller's market right now. Um, we have um, a lot of buyers, but not enough good businesses for sale. Interesting. Um, that's why we like to focus on selling and buying as opposed to buying and selling. Uh, there's lots of opportunity for buyers. 
When I say that, I just want to be clear. There's lots of opportunities for us finding bias. Okay. Now, as you you, you describe your company as as uh, M and A uh, mergers and acquisitions, correct, and business brokers limited, Pacific M and A and business brokers limited. You are you have several designate professional designations, and you describe yourself you're on the website as a serial entrepreneur. But for the purposes of this program, I love that description, by the way. But the purposes of this program, you are a broker. You're an agent for whom the buyer or the seller or both yes oh <laughs> so you just um, put two parties together and hope they can do a deal absolutely and and i, I mean the this um this different uh, this is a big subject in itself in mm-hmm. that um in real estate transactions for example um specifically in bc right now you you can only represent one side or right. the other yes. um in uh, transactions where uh there is no real estate component uh then you do have the ability to represent both sides uh-huh. uh in in what it's called non-real estate transactions. Um, the advantage of representing both sides often is huge, uh, assuming that the person facilitating the transaction is ethical and professional. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, if it doesn't matter what industry, if somebody is unethical and un- unprofessional, it doesn't matter, again, whether you're representing one side or the other. <laughs> it's a flawed deal. It's a flawed deal, yeah. exactly. So acting professionally, the, the, the advantage of representing both sides is that you don't bring them to the altar unless you know that there's a good fit. Sure. And there is no point trying to fit a square peg in a round hole or vice versa, you know, the, the, the fit has to be there and it has to be a good fit. And who better to know both sides than the advisor or, or, or broker that has the ability to understand the criteria of the buyer and the characteristics of the seller. Interesting. Now, you described uh, British Columbia, and I'm, I'm assuming Greater Vancouver as an integral part of that, as a seller's market right now, Pino. So what sorts of businesses are for sale out there? This is a, a category I know absolutely nothing about. Uh, uh, what's the most popular sort of business that you sell and transact to other people uh, more than others? I, I really don't think there is one specific um, uh, industry that or business that that sells more than others. Okay. There's, I mean, we're agnostic to to industry. We deal. We've dealt with. If you look at our website, uh, there's probably I'm going to say dozens and dozens and dozens of of industries that we've dealt with. So. Um, I, I don't believe there is any one specific business that we sell a lot of. Okay. There is a, a, a greater demand for specific industries than there is of others, for example. Uh, and there are also, for example, there's a ton of restaurants for sale. There sure. always have been. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that kind of, of, of thing. But um, So what, is, where, what are the areas that, that might surprise our listeners, Pino? What, what are uh, businesses that are being sought after by buyers? What are they looking for? that we may not be aware of well i tell you the the again it depends who the buyer is if the buyers are individuals um uh, as we call them main street buyers mm-hmm. um they they could be looking for anything from you know as a simple printing business mm-hmm. to to a hairdressing salon and everything in between okay um on the other hand if the buyer is an industry buyer they may be looking for something in that 
in a specific industry uh, to either capitalize on horizontal or vertical synergies. Um, if the buyer is a synergistic or strategic buyer, uh, then they may be looking for uh, for example, a private equity group could be looking for a platform company, as we call it, which is, in essence is a main company, a main business. Um, and some of the things that they are looking for is specific uh, earning margins, uh, typically better than 10% in, in EBITDA margin, which, which stands for earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Um, recurring revenue businesses are uh, in demand uh, very much. Uh, so those would probably be, if, if, if you were to ask me, what is one business where you would have no problem selling mm-hmm. um, quickly? I would say a business that has solid history of reoccurring revenue. Well, of course, of course, the attractive Everybody card. wants them. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you selling businesses, you and your colleagues at Pacific, are you selling these businesses that you're acting as agents for to local people, to Toronto people, to California people, to uh, people from Hong Kong? Who are your customers? Who's buying into Vancouver these days? I, I think there's a, there is a lot of internal market. Um, in other words, uh, again, both individual as well as industry as well as uh, um, private equity groups that are buying um, – that are local and, and buying in the local market. There are also uh, a number of uh, American um, uh, buyers – um, so there's, there's some overseas buyers and, and really from all over. Yes, we do have uh, a component from uh, Asia, but, you know, we've had uh, buyers from Germany. We've had buyers from Italy. Um, we've had buyers from Turkey, um, Iran, mm-hmm. all over the place, really. Uh, we also have uh, interprovince buyers, and, and and there's a mix. I mean, we did a transaction in Saskatchewan, for example, where the buyer was out of California, um, and and this was an industry buyer, by the way. So. Again, there's, there's not one size fits all. Let's talk a little bit about your business, Pino, Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited, M&A, a very popular uh, term, mergers and acquisitions. How much of the business deals with mergers and acquisitions versus the brokerage end of uh, selling and buying? Right. I would say probably uh, 40% on mergers and acquisitions and 60% on on Main Street. So these are uh, local companies who are buying and swallowing up other companies. And we've seen a fair bit of that activity, Pino, recently in the tech sector. Yes. Some of these software companies swallow up smaller versions of themselves and get bigger. Is that what we're talking about here? Yes. Uh, Growth by acquisition is the most efficient and effective way of growing a business. So um, without a doubt, uh, merging uh, a smaller company into your own is is and taking advantage of synergies or, or strategic markets uh, is definitely an effective way to grow. And why do people, and I mean, of course, there's a myriad of reasons, but, you know, we're looking for common denominators here. Why do sellers come to you? Are, are they just sort of, had they hit the, the wall? They're at the end of their tether. They want, they've, I've had a lifetime at this business. I'm done. I want to sell the damn thing and maybe enjoy a few years. 
years before it's all over. Is there a bit of that going on? Oh, yeah, very much so there's a bit of that. Uh, there's a lot of that, actually. And and some of those people that have had enough, uh, or, you know, they could be because they truly had enough and they want to do something different. Uh, they could be burnt out, or they could be of retirement age, or, you know, we, we have a... Or in a, some cases, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but in some cases, they may have had descendants or dependents that they were kind of counting on handing the business off to, and these young people turned out not to be any of the slightest bit interested in picking up the, the reins. There's actually a lot of that. And uh, so there'd be a, an element of disappointment in, yeah. in there yeah. on, on the part of the owners, too. Yeah, very it? much so. And then there's another issue, too. In some cases, uh, you know, the the the... the father or the mother or the parents would like to leave the business to the um, the kids, but uh, by doing that, they're not going to get a liquidation event. Sure. And by not having a liquidation event, you know, most of their money is in the business. Mm-hmm. And, and as a result, it, it economically, it's not practical as well. Are there any businesses out there right now that are trying to sell themselves that are at a kind of a dead-end street in, in terms of their place in the economy, their time has come and gone, and these are relics of another era that are still, in some cases, hanging in there. Yes, very much so. And and it's sad to see them because, you know, a business is a business, and and small business is, is the, the truly the backbone of our economy. Absolutely. Not only here, but, but worldwide, quite frankly. And so it's really sad to see whenever a business has to shut down or um, they can't, uh, you know, they can't capitalize on an industry anymore. Um, it's it's sad to see them close down. Now, we talked a little bit earlier in the program about uh, delinquency rates on the rise, particularly in BC and Ontario. Uh, and I would imagine that extends beyond personal to business delinquencies and losses and inability to cope and that kind of thing. Are there, is there a fairly high percentage rate of failures that people either are forced to sell rather than choose to sell? Well, less so today for that particular reason than, than years back. I mean, uh, business owners today, especially the younger generation, are well educated as opposed to um, the earlier generation where, you know, they had more uh, the drive, mm-hmm. uh, but less education. And uh, we like to think that, and, and I'm sort of in between that generation, but, um, you know, the reality is that uh, those business owners succeeded in spite of themselves. Sure, sure. Um, but that said, Look, everybody exits. It's not uh, if somebody will exit their business. Everybody will exit. The question is, will they exit in their own time, under their own terms, mm-hmm. with their health, uh, or, or what? Because, you know, it's either a forced involuntary exit or a voluntary exit. And when it's a voluntary exit, you can exit in your own terms. You can set your terms. Right. Our guest is Pino Baccinello. He is the founder and president of Pacific M&A and Business Brokers Limited. We're going to take a break for the news here, a quickie, and then we'll open up our phone lines during the news. If you want to grab a line, do so. It's 604-280-9898. 604-280-9898. Selling a business? Interested in buying? Well, we've got the guy with all the answers on Vancouver Consumer, and we're right back. 
and welcome back to Vancouver Consumer. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by Pino Baccinello, the president and founder of Pacific M&A and Business Brokers, talking to us this afternoon about selling and buying a business. And we have some callers on the line, and we'll get to those calls. And let's get let's start, Pino. We've got I've got a ton of questions for you, but so have our callers. So let's include them because uh, callers like uh, Gordy and Surrey have been waiting throughout the news. Gordy, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, I use uh, their business, uh, and, uh, and they sold my business um, and, and within uh, you know two three weeks. Uh, good good people. They have a lot of a uh, lot of buyers. Good what? buyers as well. Uh, good right fit, and uh, the business is expanding. Interesting stuff. Now, Gordy, what what sort of business were you in? It was health and safety. Okay. And so you approached Pacific Business Brokers uh, with this business for sale, uh, and they took the case, and, and you say it was only a matter of weeks, and it was sold. Yes, yes, yes. And they had several and, buyers, uh, plural. I also, also my, referred my, my friend, and they sold their business as well. They couldn't sell to someone else for a year, and now they sold it within a few months. Interesting. Uh, so they months. tried to do it by themselves, and they couldn't, no results, but they bring on the pros, and it's done in, in a couple of months. Yeah, I think they got to wire buyers from all over the world. Well, that's what Pino was just saying, and thank you for your call, Gordy. Well, there's a complimentary call for you, Mr. Baccinello. That's Very nice. good to know. And you were able, in his particular case, to turn the business around pretty quickly. Is is uh, that uh, he talked about his friend who had tried to sell his business by himself for a year with zero results? He uh, took you guys on in less than two months. You had the business gone. So, uh, is that a typical amount of turnaround? time no not really that's that's actually very good uh, the average turnaround or the average time it takes to sell a business is between nine and twelve months I'm not surprised to hear uh, that. but we have sold some in in weeks and we have sold some that have taken two to three years Interesting. so but the average is nine to twelve months okay and and that would depend of course on the type of business and the waiting list if there is one of buyers interested in that sector yeah uh, many factors that that will come into play, um, making sure that the business is is a good business, that there is a demand um, for that particular business. Obviously, the greater the, de- the the pool of buyers, the greater the demand, the mm-hmm. quickly the quicker you're going to sell the business. Interesting stuff. Let's go to Vancouver next. Sean, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I, I started a business out in Vancouver here in 2007, and uh, to this day, it's it's quite unique where I'm the only service provider that does the work that I do. Okay. And um, I, I've established a list of thousands of, of companies as customers throughout my 13 years. And um, some of them are very large companies uh, such as Safeway uh, or Sobeys. And now what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to figure out how much a business like this is worth. Uh, considering it's a service-based business, uh, my services are quite unique and my list of customers is quite long. Right. But uh, in regards to the equipment, it requires, and the, the, like I don't have a storefront per se, but I, I'd like to sell the list of customers 
sell the business as it is so that they could represent and they could own it. And, but I'm not sure how to calculate how much it's worth. Well, that's a, it's an excellent situation to be in. You've got a, a profitable business that you've been nurturing for 13 years. And now, what probably, Pino, it sounds like an evaluation. Do, do you do evaluations, give a, a, a potential customer an idea of what his or her business could fetch? Absolutely. Evaluation is the key uh, to preparing a business for sale. Sure. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. The the valuation is a key component. It does a number of things. It identifies whether the business um, will meet the seller's expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't, uh, it identifies what one needs to do to meet the expectations and how long it would take uh, so that one can use that as a tool then um, to determine do I want to sell now, you know, or do I want to, you know, we, we have a saying, do do I sell and go or do I don't sell and grow, you know. Right. Um, the, 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 the interesting thing here is that there's many questions when it comes to valuations. What's my equipment worth? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's my customer list worth? Uh, all of those things have value, but we need to understand that the greatest value of any asset, whether it's a customer list or whether it is a piece of equipment, uh, is in what that asset can generate in earnings. Because when people are buying a business, they're buying a stream of revenue. Right. They, they're not buying a piece of equipment. Because if they want to buy a piece of equipment, then they'll just go to an auction and pick it up for 20 cents on the dollar. Sure. Now, a guy like Sean, uh, as is the case with many uh, solo entrepreneurs, has been so wrapped up in developing this business that he has no clue as to what it's actually worth. And that's pretty common, I would pretty imagine. Common. So it, does it cost? If Sean wants to get in touch with you, and I'll give you, Sean, I'll give you all the contact stuff here in a second, but does it cost to have an evaluation done? Absolutely. I mean, it, it is a service that we provide. Okay. Um, it does cost, uh, and it, the cost varies depending on the work that's involved, but uh, it, it is a, an investment in your business uh, because you can, with that valuation... Then you, you know where you stand. Then you know where you stand. Sure. You got to know where you are before you can determine how you're going to get to a certain point. So if you're at A and you want to go to B, you need to know that you're at A before you can get to B. Sean, is this making sense? Of course. Okay. So are you interested yeah. Are you interested in following up and getting some kind of evaluation or at least a meeting with, uh, with Pino? I am. I, I can contact his office if you'd like because I'm driving at the moment and I can't write anything down. That's so. no problem at all. I appreciate your call and, and uh, keep with the hands-free driving. Let me give you the website, Sean, and that's easy to remember because it's all initials. It's pmabb.com. That's it. Yep. Okay, so there you go, Sean. pmabb.com. That is uh, for uh, our company here, which is Pacific M&A and Business Brokers. So Pacific M&A and Business Brokers is P-M-A-B-B. It's also exityourbusiness.ca will get you to the same website. Exityourbusiness.ca. Well, that's what Sean's kind of interested in. That's an easy one to remember, Sean. That one you won't have to write down. Exityourbusiness.ca. And there there is no obligation um, or cost uh, for a consultation, by the way. Okay. That just gives the, the potential client an opportunity to understand what sort of business Absolutely. fellow you are. Now, in, in your many incarnations as an entrepreneur, you've done seminars for for Small Business BC. You've, you've been the seminar conductor person, and you talked in a lot of those uh, seminars to small business operators across our province about change readiness. 
What the heck is that? <laughs> change readiness is a state of of um, readiness. In other words, we the, the objective is having the business in a state of readiness at maximum value at any point in time. Because, as I said earlier, we don't know um, when we are going to have an exit. I mean, we would like to perhaps have an exit at, at a specific point in time, but uh, things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we, we have this thing called the dismal Ds, which is uh, dissolution, uh, divorce, and death, and disability, mm-hmm. and all of these things that come in the way. And so what happens if your business is not ready and you have to exit because something happens? You get hit by a bus, uh, an illness, whatever. Sure. Um, you will then not maximize the value of that business and something that, you know, is, is probably your greatest asset and, um, you know, worked in it for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of blood, sweat, and equity in many cases. And so you need to be ready. The business needs to be ready. So that's what that is. It's it's having the business in a state of readiness at any point in time so that if you have to exit, you're exiting at the maximum value. So you're and talking exit strategy. I'm talking As about part of your e- business plan has to include an exit strategy. Absolutely. No matter if it's day one, week one, you should still have if this thing goes sideways, this is what we press the button and we're done. Every business plan should have an exit plan. Interesting stuff. Now let's talk about uh, the, the real estate market in, in Metro Vancouver is fluctuating. The government is deliberately trying to torpedo the market with some degree of success. People are seeing valuations coming off their homes homes with some degree of disappointment in the process because their plans were to time the market and sell at peak house. Well, we've passed that now. It's quite obvious. How's the business market in the in this climate? Is it the same? Are we are we seeing declining values in some businesses, Pino, or is it a whole other ballgame? Well, I've you know very interesting question because I've looked at uh, studies that uh, go back thirty years, and um, I don't subscribe to valuation multiples. I I think multiples should be an extrapolation rather than a methodology for valuing. Okay. Uh, but that said, if one looks at the multiples, the valuation multiples in specific industry size, uh, business size, industry, um, there's been very little change in those multiples over the years. Very little. Uh, there's been some some peaks, uh, but and and some valleys but overall it's been pretty flat okay in terms of multiples okay so the direct answer to your question is uh, no i don't see and i and i see many surveys that are done on a regular basis not only canadian surveys but uh, american surveys Pretty, pretty much steady. Uh, you know, even during the 2008 um, uh, to 2012, if you would, that, that period, mm-hmm. um, even during that period, the multiples really didn't change. The valuations didn't change a lot. They changed some, but not a lot. Here's what's changed, the demand. Right. Because 
suddenly businesses that were doing 40 million in sales are now doing 10 million, you know, in, in 2010. And mm-hmm. we had some. We had a particular business that was doing 40 million in 2008, um, and it, it dwindled down um, when in 2010 that same business was doing 10 million in sales. Wow. So you can imagine. What a drop. The expectation of the sellers quite often in those events doesn't change. But you're not going to sell it for the same price. You'll sell it for the same multiple, but not for the same price. Are there businesses, now you talked about restaurants, for example. That's always restaurants for sale around Metro Vancouver. It's a very high-risk category. Yes. Some succeed, many don't. Yes. Uh, Are there other uh, categories that are equally 50-50 high-risk as as the uh, hospitality industry? I would say retail. Okay. Um, the retail industry is, is suffering right now. Very difficult. Um, fashion industry is another that's, uh, that's hard uh, these days. It's having difficulties. Brick and mortar businesses, retail, um, especially when they're dealing with the comp- competition from Amazon and those Absolutely. online giants. Absolutely. And a lot of them are trying hard to convert and to, be, to develop that online presence to be somewhat competitive. But it's a tough uh, hill to climb. Very tough. Okay. Uh, uh, What's the most popular category of business that people turn over more frequently than any others here in the Lower Mainland? I would say manufacturing is a good business. Um, uh, I'm talking about in demand. Okay. That's really what you're asking me, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Manufacturing, uh, distribution, uh, those are two sectors that have consistently been strong. In terms of demand. And what about new businesses with a a, a brand new category almost, Pino, that you would be aware of more than most of us, the green business. All of those companies that are looking for new ways to profit by doing sensible things, smart things that don't cause harm to the environment. And that appears to be, and with some government push at many levels, there are all sorts of incentives and grants, some of which work, some don't. But nonetheless, it's out there. Yes. Uh, also, a great big demand for those uh, types of businesses. Oh, is that right? Yeah. From buyers particularly? Yes. Oh, again, that's a kind of an ethical thing, isn't it? Yes. I, want, I, I would want a business. I want to put my hard-earned after-tax dollars into a business that isn't harming anything. That's right. And so that so do you get a lot of solicitations from people just shopping? Um, we do. I mean, but that's that's in every industry, quite frankly. Uh, people just shopping. People quite often. Um, I'm, I'm actually amazed. You know, they they come to us and they're looking for a business. They just want to see what we have. Right. It's kind of like you know, I want to go into a car dealership and and look at all the cars and then I'll pick one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like that. Uh, we sit down with them. We determine what their criteria is, what their experience is, what their knowledge is, what their expectations are and then based on that we will guide them through the buying process um, to to acquire a specific business that matches that criteria and for someone who's and for some sorry for someone who's selling a business the other side of that coin uh, um, and, and really just like our caller Sean you know I've got a business I've been working on this thing for years yeah. but I have no idea what it's worth and I'm kind of toying with the idea of unloading it so you're the guy to talk to absolutely a person like Sean is 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 uh, somebody who um, takes the right steps by recognizing that 
he's not going to do that on his own. He wants to learn about it and get professionals to do it. We are the worst at negotiating our own situations. We're too emotional. Yeah, it's absolutely. A, way, way, way too and there emotional. are so many facets to the successful sale of a business that one really does need a professional. And in fact, not just a professional, a team of professionals. Absolutely. 604 696 6111. Again, 604 696 6111. Pacific MA and Business Brokers Limited online at PMABB.com. The president and founder of PMABB.com is Pino Baccinello. And thanks for coming in. It's been a real pleasure meeting you. Lots of good calls. And I hope you come back and we can talk about this some more. And once again, our thanks to Pino Baccinello, president and founder of Pacific M&A and Business Brokers, for a very interesting visit. Thanks for your calls, too. And the website that Pino wanted to remind you to check out was exityourbusiness.ca. Next weekend, John Carlson's back with more on real estate, and pharmacist Alan Glasser returns with lots more on your health. Time now for Dooley Noted. And this time around, our producer, Ben Dooley, looks at Canada's plastic ban. Thanks, Sterling. Plastic forks and takeout containers could soon become a thing of the past under a new Liberal plan to ban single-use plastics. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced Monday that the government is looking at different options to limit the use of single-use plastics and make plastic producers responsible for the collection and recycling of their products under new regulations. We're at a point where we take our kids to the beach and we have to search out a patch of sand that isn't littered with straws, styrofoam, or bottles. That's a problem. We've worked with provinces and territories to develop the strategy on zero plastic waste. And we're also working closely with the private sector, investing in Canadian businesses that are developing innovative solutions to reduce plastic waste. The plan right now is to study how other jurisdictions like the European Union bar single-use plastics and put together a list of single-use plastics that will be covered under the ban over the coming months and year, Trudeau said. But no actual ban is likely until roughly 2021. Trudeau said the timeline will be based around consultations and discussions with scientists around which plastics should be targeted, what alternative options are available for businesses, and how unintended costs to small businesses could be limited. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thanks, Ben. One more before we go. On Tuesday, City Council unanimously approved a number of amendments to the Tenant Relocation and Protection Policy, with the biggest change being increased levels of compensation for renters forced to relocate from their homes due to redevelopments. Cash compensations have been heightened, particularly for longer-term tenants who are more likely to be affected by the burden and, of course, the cost of relocation. So one to five years tenancy, four months rent compensation. Five to ten years will get you five months rent. Ten to twenty years in a residence will get you six months rent if they toss you. Twenty to thirty years, twelve months rent. Thirty to forty years, eighteen months rent. If you've been in the same address for 40-plus years and they want you out, it's going to cost them 24 months rent. Other compensation for moving expenses remain unchanged. There'll be a little extra dough for tenants with special deals such as disabilities and pets. The proposed policy will also require landlords to enhance their approach for assisting tenants with finding new accommodations and increase the level of communication between tenants and the redevelopment team, something 
dramatically lacking these days. That is our show for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira, Mr. Mad Science at the controls. You can uh, tweet us anytime at Vancouver Consumer or at Van Consumer. Sorry, Ben. Uh, you can just shoot us a note to Sterling at cknw.com. We do appreciate your feedback. I'm Sterling Fox, inviting you to join us again next Saturday afternoon at 2 for another edition of Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.